Welcome, meeting makers. I'm your host, Lauren Green, meeting coach and facilitation trainer, here to help you unsuck your meetings one episode at a time. I've helped hundreds of professionals and organizations through leading inclusive, engaging, and productive meetings. And now I'm offering this podcast to help you do the same. Think of this podcast as an ongoing workshop, where each time you tune in, you'll get a bite-sized nugget of knowledge you can apply right away. If you lead meetings or might someday, you're in the right place. Let's make your meetings work. What's up, meeting makers? If you've been following along with the season so far, then you've made it through prepping for your meeting and developing your agenda outline. That might be enough. If you're a person who prefers a little less structure, then you may not want to plan a facilitation guide. But I recommend that if you've never created a facilitation guide, that you try it at least once. Just the simple act of writing down what you're going to say and how you're going to tee up activities, even if you don't use it in the moment, will make you that much more prepared to guide your meeting. So what is a facilitation guide? This is a detailed version of your agenda that includes talking points for how you're going to tee up activities. It might include reflection questions to ask at the end of an activity. It could make clear how roles are broken down in the meeting. And if you're running a virtual or a hybrid meeting, this is also where you would include any instructions for your tech producer so they know how to support you during each section of your meeting. In general, the facilitation guide is really just for you. You don't need to send it out to the participants, and in fact, I recommend that you don't. Again, completing a facilitation guide is how you mentally prepare to lead with confidence. There's also nothing wrong with printing out your facilitation guide and referring to it in the moment. Do not let anyone ever tell you that you have to have your agenda and talking points memorized. This is a recipe for losing confidence, and you should go in armed with everything you need to feel good about the meeting. If you have an outline in a document, I recommend you copy your outline onto a new page and start to add more detail in each section. I've seen a lot of facilitators who like to use a table where you might have four or five columns, and maybe there's a column on the left for durations of the activity and maybe a section for your facilitation notes and maybe even a column on the right side for materials and tech host instructions. I'm including a facilitation guide in the description, so if you want to reference that or copy it and use it, you are more than welcome to do so. How do you plan your agendas? If in your head you said, I open up a slide deck, stop right there. Session Lab is our number one tool when it comes to designing workshops and meetings. It's important to have a written agenda separate from slides, which is really a visual material, not an agenda tool. Drag and drop blocks in Session Lab make it easy to create your agenda, add detailed notes, and quickly download high-level agendas for colleagues and clients. No more figuring out times and durations by hand. I like to print the agenda for in-person meetings, and for online meetings, I tweak the agenda in the moment if a segment runs over so I can figure out how to make up the time later. You can quickly get started using their library of high-quality workshop methods. 
visit makemeetings.work forward slash session lab to get started and upgrade your agenda workflow. For me personally, I use my facilitation guide as my planning tool. So I have a section of the guide that has questions I need to get answered and also any tasks that I need to do in order to prepare, like create flip charts ahead of time or make my PowerPoint slides. I try to make sure that all of my questions and tasks are completed before the start of the meeting. So let's start at the top with a welcome and kickoff section. You already know from the last episode that it's important to include your outcomes, a breakdown of your agenda, your meeting agreements, and clear roles at the top of the meeting. You might want to think about whether there's a certain leader or person who ought to kick off the meeting. And it's also a good idea to be clear up front about what will happen after the meeting, such as any final decisions that will be made using the outputs. Make sure to have some bullets on each of these items in that opening section so that you can speak to them. Now, here's something we often forget. Introducing ourselves. It may sound silly, but I've often forgot to say who I am and what my role is right at the beginning of the meeting. I've seen others do this too, and I think it's because we get nervous and we forget, so we just jump right into the content. At the very least, the first thing out of your mouth should be your name, the role that you call yourself, and perhaps a little about your hopes for the session. If you're nervous, practice it a couple of times, but not too much so you don't get too in your head. Now it's time to add some talking points to each of the activity sections. So remember in the last episode when we covered open, refine, and close? That is a great flow for an entire meeting, and it also helps you organize an activity at a micro level. So here's what I mean. If you know that you have a topic such as using lessons learned to improve our team, that topic could start with an opener like an open-ended question. For example, what are some of the big lessons from last year? Give people a few minutes to brainstorm quietly, perhaps on stickies, and then move on to a refine, where those stickies might be clustered into themes. And finally, you would close with each person adding a check mark or a, a voting dot next to any of the themes that seem important to focus on. And then the process repeats. Maybe you choose one of those themes and you invite the group to open again by brainstorming possible solutions to those lessons learned and so on and so forth. So think whenever you're planning each section of your agenda, what's the open, what's the refine, and what's the close? This flow also gives you a really good grounding when you start getting into group conflict. If you're sharing ideas in an open and someone in the group says, we can't do that because, then it's okay to say, you know, that's a great point. But for now, let's include this idea because we're trying to open the conversation. We'll come back to that in a moment because we'll want to use it to help us refine these ideas. Let me give you a couple of facilitation modalities to play with. My favorite opening activity is called a think, write, and share. And while there are lots of origins to this concept, the one that I know the best is from a school of knowledge called red teaming which in a very general sense is one of the military's approaches to innovative problem solving. For a think, write, and share, you invite people to have one minute of silent thinking around whatever question you asked, followed by two minutes of silent writing, followed by five minutes of sharing out 
either in small groups or as a whole, depending on the size of the group. More on this in a moment. One of my favorite refining activities is called affinity clustering. Again, while there are many origins of this technique, the term infinity clustering comes from a school of design thinking called LUMA, which stands for Look, Understand, and Make. In short, affinity clustering is when we group similar ideas together and label each cluster with a theme statement, so ideas can be more easily understood and discussed. Quick tangent. A lot of facilitators don't do affinity clustering, which I think is one of the fastest ways for your group to feel like they didn't accomplish very much. Synthesizing the information in a way that makes sense helps a group feel productive and more aligned because they can visually see their ideas overlap with everyone else's. This is a very important skill for a facilitator, but it's also really difficult to do in the moment when you also have to be thinking about the overall group process. Having a visual note-taker can really help with this, and if you don't know what visual note-taking is, all you need to do is head to the description and download the visual notes from this episode. But let's say you don't have a visual note-taker and you don't have anyone helping you who might be able to cluster and theme the ideas. Put it back on the group. Remember, it's their meeting. Make the clustering part of the activity. Sometimes I even ask for a volunteer to help. I'll say something like, who in this group is really good at seeing patterns in data? I don't say it like that, but you get the idea. People love being recognized for their strength, so someone will always raise their hand. And then I say, well, I have a job for you. See all these stickies? It would be amazing if I could get your help clustering some of these ideas into themes. My favorite closing activity is dot voting. Give each person a certain number of dots or those little label stickers. I will usually use three, five, or 10, depending on how many stickies have been brainstormed. So if you have 150 ideas, you want to give people more dots. And if you're doing an online meeting, you could ask people to use a plus one or even a symbol or an icon next to their favorite ideas. In some cases, a dot vote is just not enough because the group will get hung up on how they should decide on what their favorites are. If this is the case, then the group needs to decide what their decision criteria are before they can vote. So then you have to have a section in your agenda for brainstorming decision criteria. And as you now know, that can be an open, refined, and closed activity. So you get the basic idea. You start adding instructions or talking points to each section of your agenda using the guidance that we've given. And you'll probably sense that some sections need a little bit more time than others. If you're stuck with a 60-minute meeting, you might only get through the opening section of one activity, but that's okay. If you're limited by time, don't try to do everything. Just do the first step and let the group know what the next step is. So if you're multitasking, tune in for a moment. I'm about to say something really important. One of the biggest debates I have when planning a meeting agenda is the lack of understanding about breakouts. We've all been in a meeting with 30 people sitting around a conference room table where you're forced to listen to the same two or three people dominate the conversation. If you're nodding your head, keep listening. This is what we call a plenary discussion, and it's rarely effective for anything other than sharing out. And by sharing out, I mean sharing out what has been discussed in smaller breakout groups. 
Plenary conversations disadvantage everyone in the room because the introverts don't chime in, but have so much to say and they're excluded. The extroverts get frustrated because they can't think out loud, and you've just wasted everyone's time because the whole purpose of that meeting was to hear from everyone. And now they're tired, cranky, and texting their teammates about how much that meeting sucked. The small group breakout model is best for groups eight or larger. Why eight? That's about the number when hearing from everyone without a few voices dominating is possible. With the breakout group model, you break people into smaller groups and have them discuss the question for a few minutes and then share out a few takeaways. This ensures that everyone's voice is heard and it's much easier to see the commonalities when people have a chance to share out. And believe it or not, it's actually faster. The best way to ensure that you're not going to get through everything in your agenda is to keep people in the plenary. So to give yourself the best chance of getting through everything on your agenda, or at least most of it, keep discussion groups small and brief outs succinct. I guarantee that your meetings will be more interesting, more productive, and suck a lot less for everyone involved. So your homework, or home joy, as I like to say, is to finish adding talking points and bullets to the facilitation guide. Put some thought into what you need a tech producer to do during each session, such as create virtual breakout groups or monitor the chat. And be sure to add in notes so that you remember when you're going to use breakouts and how many people should be in each one. Thanks for listening, everybody. For those of you who still have no idea what should be in your agenda, Do not worry, I've got you covered in the next episode. We're going to go over a meeting model where you can walk in with absolutely no agenda and have the least sucky meeting you could hope for. Let's make those meetings work. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to rate and review so future meeting makers can find our community. Download a visual summary of this episode in the show notes and be sure to join the conversation in our Meeting Makers Facebook group. Want help with your next meeting? Reach out at makemeetings.org and we'll set up time to chat.